Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Excited tonight about speaking on a topic that is so close to my heart. Um, but before I do, I want to share a little bit more about who I am so you can get to know me a little better. Um, for those of you that are watching online, um, I have a picture here of my family. And so my family is the best part of my life, apart from Jesus, of course. Uh, and you'll see a picture of my lovely wife, Abigail, who is an avid adventure seeker. Um, it is because of her that I I do not just sit on my couch all day eating ice cream because she makes me go out on, on many adventures. She helps me live a very fun life. And we have a 17-month-old uh, boy. His name is Valor. And he is a very curious and active toddler right now. And uh, he's gotten to the point where he's kind enough to tell us when uh, he has a dirty diaper by yelling caca every once in a while. <laughs> so that's uh, pretty fun. Uh, not pictured, uh, but also very integral, uh, an integral part of our family is our uh, six-year-old golden retriever, Atlas, who also very kindly allows his little human brother to tackle him and bite him now. Um, so life is uh, fun, and that's as cute as my life gets. Um, but yeah, throughout this season of the pandemic, um, one of the things that my wife and I have, have sought to prioritize is uh, outdoor adventures and outdoor um, activities in light of us not being able to go out to places as often as we could before. Um, and so over, the, over the, the past few months, we've introduced our son to many types of adventures like uh, hiking in the woods, uh, castle building at the beach, you know, with sand, of course, not real material, <laughs> um, and kayaking. Um, uh, recently, we were kayaking on a kayaking adventure as a family, all four of us, yeah, the dog included. Um, we were out on the water kayaking. And um, as we were uh, finished, and, and I was, as I was pulling the kayak out of the water, I accidentally dropped my phone into the, the little shallow water, and I didn't think much of it, um, but a couple hours later, I started noticing that my phone was glitching, and uh, well, needless to say, it eventually died. And um, you know, I found myself without a phone because I was kind of cheap. And I didn't want to buy the added on extra like phone insurance thing that they try to sell you. Um, so I just didn't buy it, you know, and now I don't have a, fu- a functional phone. And this is where I want to begin our conversation tonight. Uh, when it comes to add-ons and extra features, are you the type of person that goes for them? In other words, are you a sucker for them? Um, <laughs> or... Are you woke like me, and are you just satisfied with the basic package that you get? You know what I'm saying? You know, so now that I'm on the market for a new phone, you know, I logged on online, and I'm looking for, just to see what my options are, right? You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep, play my cards right here, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I, I, I've learned how to play this game, so I'm actually going to buy the insurance now, um, so I'm not, I don't want to go through that inconvenience again of not having a phone, and since the last time I bought a phone, which, I, you know, was, it's been a couple years, now there are like 10 phone insurance plans, and I don't understand that, you know? There's like the, um, the $30 a month plan that gives you a t-shirt, a water bottle, and a new phone when you break your phone, and then there's like the $5 cheap plan that basically gives you a hug and a sticker and says, good luck next time, you know? So 
what do I do? Uh, of course, you know, being somebody smart and cheap, I just went for the middle. So I thought I'll go for the $7 option. Um, but needless to say, there's so many options that I still haven't bought a phone because I'm just kind of cheap and I like just the standard package, you know? I don't want to get fooled into a scam. Um, or it's kind of like when you go to Chipotle, you know, can I get an amen out there? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm walking in, I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to play the system. I'm going to, you know, get as much free food as I can. So I go up to the server and I'm like, I want a bowl with everything that is free and the extra tortilla. Yeah, you guys know that trick? Yeah, I hope you do, especially you college students out there. And the server's probably thinking like, oh, I'm gonna get this dude real good, you know? And so, you know, he, he, he loads me up and sometimes, you know, and then we get to the very end of the, of the food assembly line and he shows me the guac and the, and the queso. And he's like, do you want guac and queso and chips with that? And he says it like, it's weird if you say no. And I'm kind of like trying to look to see what, what did the guy ahead of me do? And I look behind me and I'm getting all these hangry looks from the customers behind me and I'm just paralyzed. And, you know, but it, it, to be honest, Chipotle is better with uh, guac and queso. You know, I'm just going to be real honest. Actually, Bradley Hilliard, one of our interns said, it's not a burrito if it doesn't have the guac. So there you go. Your first quote for the night that you should write down. But because I'm cheap and I just like the basics, I just say, no, thank you. And I make the most (laughs) out of my bowl in that moment. So, um, you know, in a world of so many choices, so many upgrades, so many tastes, it's often hard for us to uh, sometimes discern what the standard package is and when we're getting scammed, right? Um, for me, it's cost me a phone, it's cost me a couple burritos, and who, who else knows what else, you know? But what's more important is that as we examine Scripture and consider God's heart for His people, and, and what it means for our lives as Christians, it's important that we know what the standard package of the Christian life is. When it comes to the kingdom, what are the non-negotiables that come standard with life in Christ? And so tonight, I'd like to talk about the standard package principle of the kingdom that is of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people, This is a kingdom of God and what it means for us to journey together as we walk closer to God as a body. And, you know, to be real real honest with you, Revelation, this book is actually one of the places where I often find the most hope when I think about this topic. So tonight, as we continue in our series, um, I want to use this book and several of the images within it as a backdrop for God's ultimate plan for his people made in his image. So if you have a Bible or if you uh, have a phone, uh, let's turn to Revelation 7. We're going to be reading from uh, verses 9 through 17. So Revelation 7, 9 through 17. So I will go ahead and begin reading. For those of you watching online, we will be putting them on, on, on the screen for you. So it begins like this. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were sitting around the throne and around the, and around the elders and four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Would you pray with me as we continue? Lord, tonight we just open up our hearts to your word. We open up your, our hearts, Lord, and our minds to understand what it is that you are leading us to as a community, as a church, Lord, what it means to be a, a, a healthy, multicultural kingdom of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people, Lord. So I pray, Father, that tonight, Lord, you would inspire us and encourage us through your hopeful word. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. So tonight I'd like to talk about two points from this scripture that we observe and, and then uh, close with some action points that I, um, as we encourage us to go forward. So the first thing I'd like to point out here is that we see a, an image of a, of a redeemed people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, giving their allegiance to Jesus because his sacrifice makes a place for all around the throne. You know, this, this phrase that we see in scripture of every nation, every tribe, people, and language, we see this phrase describing the nations with these four descriptors seven times in the book of Revelation. And as you've heard Pete say uh, in earlier messages that theologians and scholars explain to us that emphasizing the nations um, and these four descriptors is a way for John to tell us that he means the entirety, the totality of people of every corner of the globe. Just like we observed earlier in this chapter, and as we read last week, the, the four angels covering the four corners of the globe, how that is an image of the totality of the globe. These four descriptors of the multitude is, a, is an emphasis that these uh, these people are composed of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language, every people group, every color will be inheritors of the kingdom of God. And you know, as, as we were even singing earlier today and, and, and we were singing this song called Tribes, um, I couldn't help but to even think about how maybe this vision that John sees and hears, maybe it was in multiple languages as well. These people giving praise and glory to God, not just in one language, but in multiple. Something that is probably lost as we read in just one language at a time, you know. Uh, Justo Gonzalez, a historian and theologian, uh, says the following about this passage, that we understand neither creation nor history until we have a glimpse of the end for which creation was made and the purpose towards which history is moving from 
every tribe and nation means that this is the the vision from which, out of which the church must live. So this is why it is such a good thing when we gather together as a diverse multicultural community of believers. It is the vision that we should strive for and move towards because it is the vision of the one true God seated on the throne. And this is the vision that he is working to establish throughout the course of history. It is where he is leading us. And in this vision of God, No one people, no one culture, no one nation can claim a place of particular distinction in the kingdom. Why? Because there is just no other way around this, friends. This is the standard package of the kingdom of God. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. So this also means that it is not an optional add-on. It is not something you can take away when you don't like it or add on when you want a little more. No, this is just standard. Jesus' sacrifice makes a place for all peoples around the throne. And if we take something away, or if we intentionally leave something out of the standard package, then it ceases to work the way it was meant to. It becomes incomplete. You see, there's a reason why manufacturers, why producers and designers make standard packages because they know the minimal requirements that it takes for consumers to use and utilize their items, right? You don't just build a computer or or a laptop and uh, make people buy the keyboard separately, right? You don't build a car and ask the the owner to purchase a steering wheel separately. No, right? The only thing that doesn't make sense as part of the standard package is not having a headphone jack on your phone. iPhone, give the people what they want, please. Before I get too controversial, let me get back to my notes. Anyway, having every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people around a throne is important. Because God, the ultimate designer, made them in his image to give him glory. And so here in this passage that we just read, we see a beautiful image and a beautiful reminder that our ethnicity will be carried into heaven. It's part of God's image and it will give glory to him in heaven. Charles Spurgeon writes that there is no individuality in heaven, depend upon it. There will be in heaven not a company of persons all struck off alike so that you cannot tell who is who, but they will be out of every nation and kindred and people and tongue. You see, the multitude is made ready to give service to God in worship. They carry the mark of his redemption on their robes. Scripture says it was by the blood of the lamb. And in this light, in light of this fact, they worship the ultimate sacrifice of the one true God. And then I love the way that this chapter of scripture ends that one of the elders tells John that this great multitude is composed of people who have suffered greatly, scripture says, and yet they have been redeemed by Jesus. And in light of the suffering this multitude has experienced, scripture tells us in verse 17 that the lamb that as their shepherd will lead them to springs of living water and that God will wipe away the tears from their eyes. 
The second thing I want you to know tonight is that our God will bring restoration to the brokenness that we experience. So I emigrated to the U.S. from Honduras. Shout out to Grace Madrano, my fellow Honduran buddy out there. Um, and I grew up in the New Orleans area. When most people hear that I grew up in New Orleans, in New Orleans they're always like, oh, how did you like Cajun food? And I'm usually like, well, actually, I hated it because what they passed off as Cajun food in the public schools was barely food, you know? <laughs> so for me, growing up as a Latin American in a Latin American household in New Orleans meant a steady diet of refried beans, handmade tortillas, and Honduran cheese. Praise the Lamb. Can I get an amen to that? I want some of that. Come on now. You see, I wasn't even allowed to eat peanut butter and jelly because my folks didn't consider that food. Um, I never had grits until I was about 12 or 13. And check this out, guys. I didn't even know Nutella was a thing until I got to college and met my wife. So now you know why, you know. <laughs> so he who finds a wife finds a good life, right? Isn't that what they say? Something like that. I'm still learning my, Amer- my English idiom. So <laughs> English is actually my second language. Um, and if you're wondering what the best way to learn a second language is, um, try getting thrown into a completely immersed environment and then trying to figure out which bus is going to take you home without having a driver's license or knowing how to drive. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> um, growing up it, it, as a Latin American also meant for me that also like our friend Grace, I grew up going to uh, Spanish speaking churches my, my entire childhood. And that meant that we never started the party on time because we always needed critical mass, right? So church services was always, were always 30 minutes late. We were waiting for that special sister, that special brother who would start the party. And we never ended the party early, even if we started late. So Saturday nights were a late night in my house. Um, I actually didn't start attending English-speaking churches and services until I got to college. So why do I share all this, right? Um, I emphasize these parts of my experience because I grew up in two worlds. Um, And the truth is that most of my life has been a journey of of making sense of my place in school, my place in social circles, my place in this country, and and yes, even making sense of my place in the church. And to be honest, I, I often don't really know where I belong. I am now a stranger in my native country. And an outsider in the country that I reside in. And there are moments where I even struggle with my own ethnic identity. Am I more Latino than American or more American than Latino? Or am I just something completely new in and of itself? Lucky me, right? And when I read these verses in Revelation, I'm reminded of a great love that created the perfect place for me to belong to. A love that sees me for who I am made in the image of God and welcomes me, empowers me in his kingdom. I read about a place where I no longer have to explain where I come from, where I no longer have to alter my culture to fit into a place where I can finally rest from the battlefield of my mind as I, as I struggle with my ethnic identity because it is a place for every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. I see the loving hands of a God who in an ultimate act of mercy approaches me and wipes the tears of the injustices that I have experienced off my face. And that to me, friends, is perhaps one of the most hopeful images that I can hold on to 
in the midst of a broken world. And I know I'm not the only one who experiences these thoughts or similar thoughts. And here, even in verses 16 and 17, there is this promise that we will never again hunger or thirst again, that we will no longer be subjected to the uncontrollable, uncontrollable elements of our environments that hurt us because the lamb on the throne will be our shepherd and he will lead us to living water. He will wipe our tears away and restore flourishing within us in his kingdom. That is such great news for all of us. And so in light of these two great truths that we see in this important scripture, friends, what can we do in response to this? You know, and and if you're sitting there, maybe you're thinking, Rigo, this is, is definitely good news, but what about now? What can be done now? I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine and, and we were talking about this topic and, and, and we had a similar question come to mind. Like what can be done now? Aren't so many of us thirsty right now? Thirsty for change and for at least a, a taste of, of restoration on this side of eternity? Or are we just subject to keep waiting longer like so many of our other rights throughout the course of history? And you know what? I admit that I do not have the perfect answers for this. I am just an imperfect person living in an imperfect world with imperfect structures. But I think that it begins with us individually letting God use us as instruments of his justice on this world. And so the question I pose to you is the following. How can your life give testimony to the power of God so that peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues will come to worship the true king? How can you live your life in a way that it'll give testimony to the power of God so that peoples will come to worship the one true God? And so as we close tonight, I just want to offer three very humble suggestions um, that honestly come from a lot of deep examination and, and personal devotional time of my life. The first thing I want to encourage us to towards is to worship together. You see in verse nine, the multitude worships the lamb around the throne. And it is this beautiful image of men and women from every corner of the earth in perfect unity, worshiping the one true God. And for those online, I have a diagram, but if you can imagine a triangle and you and I are on opposite ends of the triangle and the lamb is at the very top, as we journey closer to the throne of the lamb, we inevitably end up closer to each other. And why is that so important? Why is that the case? And it's simply because this, we cannot render true worship to the lamb on the throne without realizing his heartbeat for justice and righteousness. You see, God isn't just about religious feasts and services. His heart is about justice. And we cannot be true worshipers without standing up for justice for our brothers and sisters and worship him in true spirit and truth. And so worship, therefore, is an act of justice because it recognizes the ultimate source of justice. My friend Justo Gonzalez, who I quoted earlier, says the following, that as the prophets of Israel repeatedly said, 
To pretend to worship God without doing justice in society is to worship a God who does not require justice, which is to worship a false God. It's just inextricable from the heart of God and from the heart of worship. And in light of that key truth of who our God is, we can move to the second thing I want to encourage you towards tonight, which is to hope together. That we are to put our hope in the plans of this good, just, powerful God who has a plan for history because he is a God of the impossible. And so a question that that must be answered in our lives is, is how big is the God that you actually believe in? You see, and even as, as we've read in earlier parts of Revelation through our series, we know that our God is not aloof to the trials and sufferings that we go through. In fact, as Jesus is dictating his letters to the churches, he often begins with this phrase, I know your deeds, I know your sufferings, I know your afflictions, I know your faith, I know you. Jesus is not aloof to the trials and tribulations that we go through. And what a beautiful promise we have here in scripture that he has a plan to move all of that together towards flourishing, towards reconciliation, towards unity in the throne room of heaven. And so we know that trials and tribulations, they can't stop us. It is ultimately by the way that the church suffers that we can give testimony to the hope that we have in our hearts. And so friends, how can your hope point people to our just God? How can the way that you hope encourage others alongside of you who have maybe lost sight of their hope in the midst of tough times, trials, sufferings, tribulations? How can you hope with others who are hoping for things that are bigger in and of themselves as we keep our eyes to where God is bringing his plan to? Which brings us to the final point I want to say tonight that I want to encourage us to reign together. And basically what I mean by this phrase is to use the gifts that God has blessed you with to be an agent of justice through the ministry of reconciliation. In Revelations 5.10, we have an image earlier of, of, of the elders and the heavenly host singing a new song. Scripture says that they sing a new song. And the song that they sing is the following. He sa- they say, you have made them, and by them, this great multitude, you have made them to be a kingdom of and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. You see, everyone has a part to play in this story. Everyone has power in God's kingdom. We have an active role to play as people who reign in his kingdom. And I believe that we can begin reigning on this side of eternity in the now and not yet of, 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 our, of this journey we're in. You know, and it's hard exactly for me to tell you what this looks like. But, you know, I have a suspicion that it begins with your talents, with your passions, with your giftings. You know, maybe you're you're an engineer out there. Um, Well, maybe it involves engineering as a way to bring God's reign into a broken world. For the teacher, using your gifts as a teacher to bring about God's reign in classrooms. For the computer science major, hey, thank you so much because technology has enabled us to do this. Maybe it's using your gifts to connect connect an increasingly connected global community, global world. You know, I have a a suspicion that that it involves 
uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, despite what he or she believes in. That it, it, it involves caring for the orphans, the widows, the marginalized, the oppressed. You see the gifts that God has given us, the talents, the passions. They're not just for us to be made better people, to have a nice resume, to have nice titles affixed to our names. No, they were given to us so that we can help fl- bring flourishing to the world. And so maybe we can begin by asking God how we can leverage these aspects of who we are to reign in his kingdom. And so what I want to ask you is how will you reign in God's kingdom? John M. Perkins, a minister and civil rights activist, writes in his book, Dream With Me, if we are not reconciling, how can we call ourselves the church? The church is to be the incarnated Christ here on earth now, which means all members ought to be doing the work Christ did while he was here. And friends, what is that work that Christ did? Bind up the brokenhearted, to care for the orphans and widows, to stand up for the marginalized and oppressed, to empower the disenfranchised, to raise the the lowly men and women of society like you and me into service, into the service of priests in the kingdom of God that is of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. And so Chi Alpha, imagine the beauty it is when we as a community of, of followers are operating in this role. When, when those with the gift of hospitality um, are, are operating with the spirit of that welcomes all into the throne room of the lamb. And that when we gather together as a healthy multicultural family, that we are free from competition and greed and comparison because we are valuing and upholding the beautiful image of God at work within all of us. And that when we reign with our talents that God has placed within us to bring justice to this broken world. This, my friends, this is the standard package of the kingdom. It's not the optional part, but the essential core of what it means to be the church, the multitude of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. We worship together, we hope together, and we reign together. So tonight, as we get ready to close, I just want to encourage you guys, wherever you're at, to consider these three things. Um, perhaps you need to spend some time engaging in the heart of justice of our Lord. As we worship together, I encourage you to press into that. Maybe you're in a place where you need to trust the good plan that he has for you, even in the midst of trials and tribulation. Maybe you as a brother or sister need to come alongside someone else and have hope with them for that dream that they have. And finally, maybe it's time for us to ask the Lord how we can be agents of, of, of reconciliation and partner in the ministry of reconciliation as we see in Scripture um, in Second Corinthians 5. And so as we stand up and, and get ready to just enter into another a time of worship, I hope that as we meditate on these scriptural truths, that God, that, that God will rise within us a fervent desire to be this standard package of the kingdom 
and that we would be a light during tough times on these grounds here at UVA, that as, that as we operate in these gifts, we would welcome and make a place for all around the throne room of God. All right, guys. Well, I hope that tonight you've been encouraged to uh, put your hope in this ultimate vision of where God's plan is leading us as a church, of every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people. And so for tonight, for the benediction, I'm actually going to say it in two languages, in my native tongue and uh, my acquired tongue. So, El Señor te bendiga y te guarde. The Lord bless you and keep you. El Señor te mire con agrado y te extienda su amor. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. El Señor te muestre su favor y te conceda la paz. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. All right, Chi Alpha. Well, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you out there. And uh, let's go keep reconciling for Christ. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com. 